stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Into the Great Scott Show. Hope you were all having a beautiful Tuesday morning out there. How you feeling today, guys? How you feeling? Tell you what. Might be feeling good if you had a little, perhaps, extra money in your pocket. Maybe. Might be feeling a little good if you won, I don't know, $375,000, even if it meant you had to run around in a thong in front of thousands of people. Yes, that's how we're beginning the show this morning, everyone. Don't worry, I'll explain in just a minute. But before I do, let me get you set up for what we're doing this morning, all right? It's Tuesday morning. We have uh, Director of Basketball Operations for the Raging Cajuns, Mike Murphy at 715. Coach Marlin couldn't uh, make it this morning. Hoping to have him back in his normal slot next week. Gary Broadhead at 730, the head coach of one of the hottest teams in America, the Raging Cajun women's basketball team, won their ninth consecutive game yesterday. Nine in a row. Nine straight wins is the seventh longest active winning streak in D1 women's college hoops. Jay Walker joins me in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little uh, Cajun baseball, Super Bowl bets. Terrible tune Tuesday. And later this hour, why Pat, uh, why, why Russell Wilson? couple of reasons. Why Russell Wilson is fed up and um, the, what, Walt, was Walt's paid man of the year award he just won? He, he, he knows how to play the game off the field as well. He knows how to get certain things in the press when he needs it, and he's not happy about a couple of things. What could that possibly mean for his future? But back to my original point. Man, if you could be rolling around with an extra 375K, might not be bad, huh? Might not be a bad thing. The Associated Press yesterday reported that the name of the streaker, and for those of you that are like, what are you even talking about, Scott? There was was a, we use the word streaker. I think we kind of use it loosely here. It loosely because I mean, the guy, you know, he wasn't completely in his birthday suit. He just ran around, had some weird top on, pulled his shorts down, and was wearing a thong. And he got chased by security during uh, the second half of the Super Bowl on Sunday night. Kevin Harlan, the great Kevin Harlan, courtesy of Westwood One Sports, the Super Bowl radio call was. 
there to call it. For anyone that didn't hear it, this is what it sounded like. Second down, 20, 5.03 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. And the players with hands the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? And Kevin, if you're going to run that far, get into the end zone. Don't slide at the one. you got to score once you got on the field. Get into the end zone, my man. Lord, now they're cuffing him. But pull up his drawers, whatever you do. 5.03 to go, timeout on the field. Now, is is the guy an idiot? Is the guy a genius? Is it somewhere in between? His name is, um, last name's Andrade. Yuri Andrade, 31 of Boca Raton, Florida. Interrupted the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Caused a five-minute delay when he ran on the field with a pink swimsuit and shorts that he pulled down. He was released Monday morning from jail after posting a $500 bail. Now, he was a plant. Um, he was put in there by a social media personality, Vitale Drovasetsky. That's his name. To promote an adult website, which I will not name on the air. I don't want to give them free promotion. But he had the name of the website written on the, uh, the, the, the pink thong bathing suit. And according to the Houston Chronicle, um, Zodorewski is the same guy who ran on the field during the 2017 World Series and onto the court during the 2014 NBA Finals. Now, probably harder for him to get into some of the big events now, having a history of that, so he planted someone else. Now, I'm guessing he probably paid Andrade a fee. Andrade's not going to just go and run around in a pink thong during the Super Bowl on the field, get tackled by security, spend a night in jail for nothing. But here's where the story gets more interesting. Other rumors began yesterday, and I think Sideline Daily was the first to report on it. I don't know if they're true, but there are some like there was there was the Washington Post that had a, a, a story on it, uh, Syracuse.com. I mean, some legitimate websites, news outlets. I know that legitimate can be used a little loosely nowadays when it comes to the news, but you, you, you get my point here. There's a report that Andrade was spotted at Jay Alexander's restaurant in Tampa yesterday and he claimed that he bet $50,000 on a prop bet at plus 750 that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl. And if that's the case, he would have won $375,000.
Now, Andrade then went on Instagram and wrote, quote, dudes are good at math, end quote, and had a screenshot of the betting claim. Now, here is where it just, I don't know, man. I think there there was a guy on Instagram that wrote that he, you know, his buddy told him, hey, this is how much I made. It only cost me $1,000 to get out of jail, so I cleared $374,000 on the bet. There is no way that a legitimate book would let someone place $50,000 on a prop bet, right? Prop bets have caps on them. They do. They do. I mean, no book in their right mind would do that. Now, if you really took the time and, you know, let's say, I don't know, it's a $500 cap because all the prop bets have caps on it. You could conceivably place a bet at every single book you could get to, whether it be in person and or online, probably online. You could do it a lot quicker. And, you know, are you going to find a thousand different books at plus 750 for a streak? It's not like a thousand books. bets. I find the 50,000 thing hard to believe. However, the idea of somebody being approached to say, hey, I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, give you a couple thousand to go be a streaker in the Super Bowl. I'll take, you know, I'll bail you out of jail. And then on top of that, you decide, okay, I'm also going to go place a bet at every book possible that has a prop bet on there being a streaker, because I know there will will in fact be that streaker. Yeah. Pretty smart. But ain't no way a book said, I'm going to let you place $50,000 on a prop bet. Especially a streaker prop bet. Especially in Florida, of all places. I'm not buying it. And, you know, on one hand, it's kind of genius that he did it. But on the other, he's out there, you know, gloating about it and telling people about it. Well, that's just dumb because then the casino can say, you know, it was... Casinos have all the control here, right? Let's be real, guys. I mean, you got a small chance to win money, but a much larger chance you don't. The game is rigged. The game is not in your favor. You can be, you can go into a casino and be so brilliant and so good and have such a brilliant mind that you can count cards. That's not illegal if you can do it on your own. But guess what? If the casino thinks you are and you're making money, they can ban you from the casino. They, you didn't do anything wrong, but they get to make the rules. I mean, it, the, the, prop bets are fun. And, yeah, if you are the Gatorade guy for one of the Super Bowl teams and say, hey, guys, we're going to use blue for the Super Bowl, and you tell all your friends, maybe they all go and place some money on the prop bet of what's the Gatorade color going to be that gets dumped on the winning coach. And if that team wins, well, they cash out. But guess what? There was a cap on it. Like $100 at plus 9 to 2. She can win a little money. Only way he could have had 50000 on a prop bet at plus 750 is he spent, you know, weeks and weeks of just placing it at every single legitimate book he could find. Or maybe not legitimate as well. 
Was he a genius? Genius is too strong. Too uh, uh, that, that no, not a genius. Was he smarter than just some idiot that wanted to go run on the field and you're like, look at this moron streak? And yeah, he gave it a little more thought than that. If you're gonna do it, get paid for it. No doubt. Raging Cajun basketball director of basketball operations, Coach Mike Murphy's joining me next. Has he ever gone streaking? He's going to wonder where the hell that question came from. But guess what? I'm going to ask him. But more than that, we're going to talk Rage Occasion Hoops. Tough trip to Jonesboro. Snapped a good winning streak that they had going. But we're going to talk to Coach Murphy about that, about the status. Could be coming back real soon. It's all coming your way next right here on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. We're back in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. That's right, and ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Joining us now, Director of Basketball Operations for Louisiana, Coach Mike Murphy. Good morning, Coach. How are you? And uh, the most important question is, have you ever gone streaking? Good morning, Scott, and the answer is no. In your entire life, never? No. I was invited in high school one time, one from the north, and it was about 12 degrees outside, and... Uh, <laughs> There you go. I I may or may not at a young age have streaked across Cajun Field. Uh, Not during a game or anything like that, uh, for the record. Uh, May or may not have, but, you know. Yeah, in high school, a bunch of kids were like, honest honest to goodness, I said, you guys, it's 12 degrees outside. I'm not going out. (laughs) Of course, there was about four of them. And they went through a little downtown Whitewater. A guy took a hard left turn and flipped. And uh, it was like he was sliding the second base. That left the mark. I bet it did. Probably a scar, and uh, maybe on it, all of you that, that, that witnessed it as well. But um, for those that are just tuning in and didn't hear the first segment, they're very confused. But let's uh, let's segue into, uh, into Rage Cage of Basketball. Coach Murphy, our guest. Coach, uh, you guys um, dropped the two in Jonesboro, but let's start with Friday's game. I mean, you um, – you score 87 in a game. Uh, I think that was your highest output this season, uh, with the exception of maybe a win against LSU Alexandria early in the season. So the the offense seemed to be working. What happened on the other end of the floor? Well, I mean, they just played really well. Um, and sometimes that happens. I mean, uh, both games, you know, Friday they were 6 for 11 off the bench in the three-point line. Same thing happened on Saturday. They just shot the ball very well. I always thought they were a little bit of an undervalued team. And uh, they've got really good guard play. They probably got the freshman, not probably. They do have the freshman of the year. He's good. In Omar, yeah. uh, who's He's a post good. player that, that's really physical. It reminds me of Bryce Washington, but an athletic Bryce Washington. This guy, I think, is going to be really, really good. But they've got really good guard play. And, and they're deep at that, possession, at that position. Um, and, and they shot the ball really, really well, especially their bench. And, um, you know, we, we played well. We shot something like 54% from the field, as you said. Uh, we, 
uh, we just couldn't keep them from scoring, man. It just wasn't one guy. It was several, and, and they played their best basketball of the year over the weekend. And uh, sometimes just got to tip your hat and say, job well done. Yeah. Uh, do gave for you guys on Friday. Um, you know, if, if you watched it or if you just see the stat line, um, I thought it was one of his better games as a Cajun. Uh, and then on Saturday, Coach, I, let, let's just get the, the confusion part out of the way because um, yeah. I um, – you know, Arkansas State, I mean, I'm not throwing them under the bus. This is what happened. Uh, their sports information department um, put out some bad information, uh, which Jay Walker reported on the air when they told him that a player for UL had tested positive and that, you know, the game was on hold. That's why there was a delay. Well, if a player tests positive, the game's probably not going to, you know, continue. Uh, get Guys come out in the second half, start playing, and, you know, it, it, all, it all got cleared up. A player did not test positive, but – for those that, that, you know, I mean, I'd like to think that everybody's following us all 24-7, Coach, but it's possible someone out there still doesn't have all the pertinent information. And I know you might not be able to reveal names or something like that, but just the general situation, uh, what unfolded, and I'll go ahead and ask you the follow-up now, how, if at all, do you think that impact that you guys have in the longer halftime? Well, the way it unfolded is one of our players said, we won it for halftime, and um, – we're coming out, and all of a sudden, their, their facilities director, their, their, their John Diga, comes up and says, the officials are told to put an extra eight minutes on the clock for halftime. I said, why? He said, I don't know. They just said eight minutes. So we didn't know at that point. So I go, I go walk back into the, uh, the locker room. And as I'm walking from the court into the locker room through the hallway, I see DJ DePantis running down the uh, hallway like he's Usain Bolt, which, you know, doesn't happen a lot. No. And um, I tell Coach, I said, listen, we've got a delay for some reason. I thought it might have been mechanical. And um, then we find out a couple minutes later that one of our guys may, you know, be testing positive for COVID. That didn't happen. Um, the game resumed. Our guys, we didn't know what was happening. We, we really didn't tell our guys anything because there was nothing to tell them. Like, we didn't have any specific information. And... Um, but the game started, the second half started, and, uh, you know, to Arkansas State's credit, they just kept, kept you know, playing at a very high level as they did on Friday. Um, so it didn't have an impact on our guys. I mean, Arkansas State played as well as anybody in the league has played this year for, for two straight days. That's hard to do when you're playing back-to-backs. They shot the ball exceptionally well. Like I said, their bench was 6-for-11 from the three-point line both nights. And if you'll recall, when we played them here, Scott, on Saturday, our bench was eight for eight. Uh, Jacoby Gordon made five, he's five for five, and, and Devin Butts was two for two, and, and Ty Harper was one for one. So when you get that kind of production from your bench, especially from the three-point line, it makes it real difficult. And Cedric Russell had a very quiet 30 points on Saturday. <laughs> so, yeah, third, I mean, he, he, a quiet 30 points. five three-pointers, uh, I think he was 11 of 19. Well, the reason I asked impact or a longer delay, I mean, I – Probably not, or or not at all, as you said. But you, I mean, the difference from the the, the first half and the second half. Um, I mean, when you score forty eight in a single half, that's that's pretty strong. I mean, I, I thought that you guys made a game of it after being down, you know, a good bit at the half, and then you had the delay, and folks are confused. And I'm sitting there saying, "Hey, guys, pay attention to this basketball game. The Cajuns are are starting to to make a comeback here." Now, you know, you weren't able to complete it, but the second half, you guys. Uh, just from my perspective, seem to have a lot more success. 
No, we did. And and listen, we haven't been in that position. Like, this is credit to us now. This is the kind of year we're having. Um, other than Baylor, and even the Baylor game, I'm not sure if we were down by 17 at the half against Baylor, who, who I think is going to win the national championship um, if they can get healthy. Um, so all year long, we really haven't been in that position. Um, we've been up at the half and then, you know, had to, had to, uh, withstand a, a, a barrage early on by our opponent in the second half, but we haven't been in that position all year where we've kind of been, you know, taken to the woodshed a little bit in the first half, uh, by another team. And, um, to see our guys respond the way they did, uh, was very gratifying. I thought they showed a lot of grit, a lot of heart, a lot of determination. And, you know, we came up a little short, but um, I was really proud of the way the guys competed. You know, after the Texas State Series, we talked about how Saturday's game was a tournament-style game, punch-counterpunch, 12 rechanges, 12 ties. It was a real tournament-style game, especially playing the second night in a row. Well, here we go against Arkansas State. You suffer a, a tough loss in game one after you shoot the ball really, really well. But you have to come back the second night. And when you do, in the second half of the second night, you find yourself down by 17 points going into the half, a position you haven't been in all year, really, with the exception of the Baylor game. And um, to see the guys respond the way they did and to really grind, and, and I don't think people really understand it. It's, it's such a grind. You know, in football, because of time of possession, you may, you may only have the ball three or four times in the second half. Baseball, if you've got a guy in the mound who's just dominant, you know, good luck. Um, but with basketball, because it's so fluid, I mean, it's, it's a 20-minute grind on both ends of the floor. And um, uh, I was really, uh, you know, very impressed with the way our guys fought. And I think that game will serve us well uh, when you get into the tournament. Now, having said that, you know, I'm a big, big believer that winning teaches you to win. You know, nothing else does. And um, I think we learned a valuable lesson. But once again, Arkansas State played about as well as they could play, shot the ball about as well as they could shoot it. I didn't think they could do it back-to-back nights. But I always thought they had the potential to be that type of team because they've got such good guard play. And um, uh, Omir, the kid, the kid in, the, in the post, uh, he's freshman of the year. He could be a second-team all-conference guy. Um, averaging a double-double all year as a freshman, that, that's hard to do. Coach Mike Murphy, our guest. Uh, what's you know, Coach Marlin posted a picture last week of he and and Kobe Julian. Um, what's the status of Kobe and, and Dury Cadwell? Well, Kobe's working to get back. I don't think Dury's gonna 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 make it back this year. Kobe's working to get back, and and you know we may have him towards the end of the, well, we're at the end of the year, but we got six games left before we get to the tournament. But but Kobe is trying to get himself back. He wants to get back on the court, and. Um, whether or not he can do that, whether or not he can get cleared for 100%, you know, activity, uh, we'll find out here pretty soon. Um, he's doing skill development stuff, but it's all non-contact, and he's starting to to run a little bit. So, but even when that happens, Scott, you know, when he does get cleared, you got to remember the kid hasn't played in in over a year, and he's just not like you step on the court and you're in basketball shape. So, you know, it, it takes a good three, four weeks to that, for that to happen. So even if you were to get cleared here late, you know, it's going to take him some time and his efficiency, we don't, we still don't know what it's going to be like until he gets on the floor and he is able to practice with our guys, but he's really working hard to get back. I don't think Dury's going to be able to make it back just in terms of his rehab. Both are rehabbing very well. Both are, 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 um, um, progressing very well. 
according to the medical staff. It's just a matter of timing with with one versus the other, and Kobe's got the better shot of coming back. Coach Mike Murphy, our guest, ESPN 1420. Uh, you guys taking on ULM Thursday, and then uh, at the Cajun Home, Thursday night, 7 p.m., simulcast here and on News Talk 96.5 KPL. then playing Saturday in Monroe, so with the with the schedule layout this year with COVID, the Friday Saturday either at home or on the road, this is that um, oddity in the schedule where you actually have to travel. There's a day between games. How does that uh, alter the approach, if at all, this week in terms of just the schedule? You know, the schedule we're a day early instead of playing on Friday. So we're playing on Thursday. We're playing at home, so it really doesn't alter the schedule a lot, but. Uh, this is rivalry week in the league. So every team in the league this week is doing the same thing. They're playing Thursday, Thursday Saturday against their rivals. For us, it's Monroe, Arkansas State's Little Rock, for, for Texas State, it's, it, it's UTA. So everyone's playing their rival on Thursday, Saturday. Something we were used to doing before the year of COVID, right, as you mentioned. So it's going to be interesting to see how our guys react because we haven't done this all year, uh, with the exception of, of maybe uh, you know some non-conference games. But even then, you were playing twice a week, and it was about three days in between, maybe four days in between games. So it uh, it'll be unique. Um, I don't think because it's it's a relatively short bus ride compared to Jonesboro. <laughs> you know, going to Monroe. Um, I don't think it'll be, be a big deal in terms of travel. But it's it's going back to the way we used to play, and. Um, looking forward to getting back on the court anytime you you don't play as well as you think you could have or you suffer defeat or uh if you feel frustrated about your play it's good to get back on the court as soon as you can to alleviate this that that stress and and to, to see if you can get better and we'll start that today in practice yesterday was a heavy film day so um the guys are looking forward to the challenge it's monroe regardless of records they're going to but we're going to play hard. It's going to be a big game for them. It's going to be a big game for us to get back on the winning track. So I don't think it's going to change a whole lot in terms of what we do just a day earlier. Rage Cajun Director of Basketball Operations, Mike Murphy, has been our guest. I appreciate the time, Coach. Um, yep, I, I'll, I, you know, I won't ask you about streaking again, but uh, hopefully the only streaking we could talk about is another winning streak. You guys get another one started this Thursday, all right? I hear that, Scott. Thanks. Go Thank you. All right. One minute break. We're back with Coach Gary Broadhead. The Rage Occasion women have won nine in a row. Keep it locked in. This is ESPN1420.com. Louisiana Rage K to women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead joins me. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Uh, good morning. Doing good. How about you? I'm doing well, coach. Uh, you guys are doing well as as well. Uh, when you look at the results, nine in a row, um, nine straight is the seventh longest active streak in the country. 
Um, and I know you guys are looking to make it 10 in a row Thursday, but let's take a look back at the last three. You got the, the three games in four days. Uh, start And, and, and I, I look at each game, Coach. They all kind of played out differently, but you guys just keep finding a way to win. What was, what was the key on I – mean, let me ask you this. Has there been one, in your mind, definitive key that's, that's bigger than all of the other ones in terms of this win streak? I think it's uh, it's going into that fourth quarter and making stops. You know, it might not be noticeable, but I think that's been the biggest thing is we're able to make stops when we need them or stop runs when we need to. Uh, you know, not to say that teams haven't gone on runs, but we're able to kind of stop them and then recover from them. That's, uh, I think that's big, you know, especially in the fourth quarter. We've been really, really good in the fourth quarter. It just seems like if you guys have a quarter where – Maybe you, you struggle to shoot or the offense isn't there. You always preach defense. But there's never really any kind of uh, panic in this team, right? It's it's kind of like if you get down, you just – they're, they're kind of cool as a cucumber and they're just – the confidence is there because you've been there and you've done it. And now you've been there and done it a lot. So if you get down at a game and you're down late uh, or, or to start a quarter or the fourth, as you put it, they're just – this team just seems to have it together and has that confidence as a unit that no matter what happens, we're just going to get it done. Yeah, they do, man. I tell you, and then, you know, we're able to kind of uh, kind of put different lineups together depending on what we need. You know, we have some instant offense that we kind of throw in there and kind of hide on the defensive side at times. And when when someone's not shooting it well, like I mean, uh, you know, you you look at Scott a good one on uh, this uh, Arkansas State game on Saturday. She had twenty four points. I mean, she was. She was, you know, really, really good last night. She wasn't as good, and we were able to put May May home and, you know, move them in and out, and then Ty Doucette had a good game. So, you know, the offense is kind of coming and going, but the defense is always there. And we, we're able to kind of move. Right now we're able to kind of move people around because everybody's getting better defensively. The younger ones are. But at the end of the game, if you're looking who's in there, it's all the experienced kids. We're trying to finish with – you know, with kids that that understand the system, and and they've been doing a great job of rebounding and making stops. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Coach Gary Broadhead, our guest, uh, Ty Ducey last night. Uh, what? How many? How many points did she score yesterday, Coach? She had twenty one last night. Yeah. I mean, when um, a performance like that from her, where she's nine of eleven for it's not just twenty one; it's twenty one on only eleven shots. Uh, and and you need some buckets there, and you guys are able to pull away in the fourth. Just overall, I, I asked you about her a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it wasn't on this show, but it was after one of the games, and you you said, look, she's playing well, but I, I, I know she can play even better. How would you grade her performance over these last nine games? Yeah, I mean, I thought she was getting better, but, you know, it's just being more consistent. You know, I, you know, we played three games straight, you know, Fridays, Friday, Saturday, Monday, and you know, they, like I told them tomorrow, today, they better come out. But they did not come in with a smile after the Saturday's game to practice on Sunday. They're tired, mentally tired, and, you know, but so are the other teams, too, you know. So it's been kind of tough on her um, to come back and, and, and play 30 something minutes every game for these last three. But, you know, I would say she's, you know, she's, she is what she is, man. She's very, very talented. I just would, you know, to me as a coach, I expect her to be a little bit more consistent at what she does. But like last night, we just pounded it in at the end. I mean, the fourth quarter, we shot 70%, but that was her. You know, we were we were getting the ball inside to her, and she was scoring. And, 
you know, to make nine for 11, and most of them were in the fourth. Uh, uh, it really helped us to get on our run to where we could kind of do something offensively. But, yeah, I would grade it high. I mean, she's our rebounder, too. I mean, she dominates the boards for us, uh, block shots, uh, kind of the middle of the defense. And, you know, it's just a little bit more consistency from her on the scoring part because I, I, I'm confident. I mean, I've been watching this kid since the seventh and eighth grade, and she can score it, you know. It's just a matter of, you know, we honor about using the backboard and doing the fundamental things and stuff like that. You know, she's spending extra time. But I, I see a lot in her, you know, and there's still some more in her that I think she can she can bring out. She's that good. Rage Occasional Women's Basketball Team atop the Sunbelt Conference standings, 9-1 and one in conference play. They've won nine. Uh, Gary Broadhead is our guest right now. Back on Friday night, Coach, it was a um, crazy sequence at the end of the game. Uh, with a, a three-second call that negated a three-pointer by Arkansas State. You guys win by three. Uh, have you ever seen that where where it's a – look, she was in the lane for like six seconds, so it was the right call. But how often have you seen a call like that at the very end of a game? Never. Not not a three-second call. Uh, you know, that's something that they don't normally call. Now, we lost one time when uh, our first year here – where somebody ran over our screener and the shooter was that. shooting at the same time, and it was yeah. a five-point play. Now, I've never seen that before, neither. So nothing surprises me these days, you know. Uh, there's an explanation for everything, so, you know, whatever call. But, yeah, I went back and looked at the uh, film, and, and she was in there five or six seconds, you know. And actually, you know, it might have been a good call because if they would have missed it, she, that kid probably would have got the rebound. <laughs> You know, because she was she was set she was set up to try to get the rebound. She was right behind Ty Doucette, and if the ball would have came off long, she probably would have got the rebound. Now, could she kicked it out in time to to, to score it? I don't know. You know, but you know, it is what it is. You know, sometimes you get you get a call uh, that you didn't expect, and you know, hey, we take it. Let's be real, Coach. All right, with everything that's happened this year with COVID and the amount of games that you guys have had postponed or games that aren't able to be played because of it. When you get word Friday night that the game's going to be delayed for the time being and you're not sure if it's going to be played, I know on the inside you're nervous because, look, obviously if you can't play, you get it, you understand why, but you're just hoping, let's hope these rapid tests, let's hope it's negative, let's hope they play. Do you show kind of that those those nerves to the team or you just – kind of keep that in and say guys stay prepared no matter what like what are you telling your team in that situation and does it mirror what you're feeling on the inside no it doesn't mirror but i think i do a pretty you know as you get older you you're a little bit more laid back and all that so i don't really get excited uh other than once the game starts so before you know it was like uh i met with our athletic staff and uh and how are we going to handle this delay you know we we just warmed up we just completely warm up we we're in the locker room going over our game plan and all that we're ready to go and then we get the news so how do we do it and you know my strength and conditioning coach nick did a great job he said no, no problem coach we'll just do the 45 minute uh mark we'll go back out i'll stretch him i'll get him ready and then you know we lucky we have uh Floyd Prescott that does a prayer and all that motivation and all that before the game. So we had him extra to kind of talk about, you know, you know, some of the things that we are the hunted or where, you know, where are we at? And it just kind of, we, we, we just adjusted, you know, and I, I feel that, you know, since we've been here at UL, we've had to adjust a lot, you know, whether it's a saints game that moves us or, 
the Cajun Dome's not open because of uh, certain situations. We just do it, you know. So I guess we're blessed that we've been through it over and over and over again. But this is the first time I've had a, a delayed game uh, when we we're about ready to play. So it, it was kind of tough on the inside. I uh, I was kind of like, whoa, what if we don't play? I think I was more worried about not playing than playing. And so we just say, hey, we're going to play, so let's find a way to adjust to it. You know, again, my staff does a great job of of uh, keeping these kids under under wrap, and the kids did a great job. You know, I thought they came out and played really well uh, because of the circumstances. It could have gone another way. Yeah, and and look, Kim Burton and, and Skylar Goodwin. We were talking to them after the game and about the offense that night. It wasn't as strong as it was Saturday and in other games. And they were asked, "Hey, do you think the delay had something to do with it?" And they said, "No. You know, it was just the night. The shots weren't falling, but." You know, we locked in and we found a way to win. Um, and, and right now you guys have been finding different ways to win. Nine straight. You look to make it ten straight this Thursday. A uh, little Thursday matinee from the Cajun Dome. And then you guys will travel to Monroe on Saturday. But folks can hear it 2.45 pregame, 3 o'clock tip Thursday afternoon as uh, Louisiana looks to win their tenth in a row uh, ULM, on the other hand, coach, they they have not been playing well this year. They haven't had a lot of success. When you're you've dealt with this situation before as a coach, you've been on different ends of it. But when you're the team that's playing really well and you're about to be at home against an opponent that's struggling, what are the tactics you use as a coach to just keep your team completely locked in and not worry about uh, you know what the record is next to the team name if they happen to glance at the game notes? Well, you know, you come into practice and, you know, you prepare like we always do for ourselves, you know. But, you know, uh, Monroe's playing hard. They're scary. You know, they can shoot it. They've been struggling with turnovers and defense a little bit. But, uh, I mean, I'll tell you what, they're playing hard. So it's scary to me. And we come back flat and we play at their level. I mean, they could, we could, you know, it it could be a a bad situation, you know. So I'm kind of preaching that after the game last night, you know, just because they – they haven't won games. They've been in in a lot of games, especially up until half and all that, and kind of ran out of gas and, you know, turned off. But they've been shooting it extremely well uh, lately. So it's going to be a big thing for us, you know, can we defend them and find them early and, and just take care and not play down to the level, you know. it's, it's uh, That's going to be a big part of it, and that's always, you know, it concerns me a lot uh, going into it, you know. And, you know, this, this 10th game could break the record of 50 years Nobody in uh, 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 no team at UL has ever won ten straight games, whether it be conference or regular season or whatever. We tied the record last night, but you know, and I want that for the kids, man. That would be awesome for the kids to be able to to show some, you know, show the community that hey, we're here, you know, we, we you know, we're top of the league, you know. I know it's 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 far from being over, but you know, we are, you know, and. And we kind of control our own destiny. So, I mean, I think it's going to be big for us. These next two games are going to be huge for us to, to make sure we take care of it. And, you know, we could get that record and show, hey, in the 50th year, here we are. You know, we won 10 straight, first time in the history of the program. You know, so, you know, there's some things that we're fighting for. Absolutely, Coach. Well, well best of luck on Thursday. And how do you feel about the one – every team in conference is doing it, but uh, with the COVID-19 layout of the conference schedule this year, the Friday-Saturday layout, there's that one weekend where teams play uh, someone in close proximity, a Thursday uh, and then a Saturday, and it's a home road or a road home. So for you guys, home Thursday, road Saturday. Do you, do, do you like do you like this, or were you guys kind of <laughs> – 
look, you've won nine in a row. You're kind of getting used to that Friday-Saturday setup. Do you kind of want to continue that, or do you like this week that you get to do something a little different? No, I don't because of that Monday game, the last night game. I, man, we've been nice about to take off today and let the kids off today. But, you know, we got to practice now because we've got Tuesday, Wednesday to practice for Thursday where – if we would have a Friday game like normal, we would have that extra day. I would have let the kids off today and, and let them rest. Man, we haven't had a day off. And, I mean, I remember the last day off we had, you know, because of playing these extra games and all that. So we'll get through it. You know, we'll fight it. I, I do in normal normal years, I do like the Thursday, Saturday, you know. But, like, this year, the Friday, Saturday has been working real good, getting on the road. And, and you know, playing that one uh, opponent makes it a lot easier for scouts and all that and adjustments. And we're such a team that worries about ourselves, not the other team, that it really kind of works out good for us. You know, uh, you you go in on Friday and you do what you're supposed to do, and the kids kind of believe in it on the Saturday. Like, okay, it, it, it did work. Here's where we need to change a little bit or do more of and do less of. It's been really good. Coach Gary brought in our guests. One more. I asked you about Ty Duce earlier. I had meant to ask you about Brandy Williams last week, so I'll do it now before I'll let you go. How, how would you grade uh, the job she's done this year and, um, you know, just overall performance in her junior season thus far? You know, she hadn't been shooting it as well, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, and it's funny how when you really – she started shooting it really well at the beginning of the season. And I find that shooters, as as, as they shoot better, they shoot flatter, you know, and so they don't put as much arc on it. And she's been struggling with that, even from the free throw line, you can see. So this week we really focused on it, and we have a coach working with her especially on that. And, man, we saw it. We saw the big improvement in practice. Now, I didn't carry over into the game. But I think we're going to see it. You know, I think we're going to, you know, we've, she's identified it, we identified it, and we're working on it. And she's working really hard to, you know, kind of change her shot back to what it used to be. Uh, and I think you'll see it. You know, I'm hoping we see it on Thursday because she can really shoot the ball. You know, defensively, she's always there. You know, I think she needs to rebound a little bit more. She's kind of on, you know, a strong guard that can get in there and kind of pound. Uh, we need her to do that a little bit more. So, you know, we got to get her going. I think she's at, uh, one of those players with a lot of potential. And, you know, expectation for her is high. So, you know, being an all-conference player, uh, we've always expected a lot out of her. She's playing 30-something minutes a game. So, you know, we're hoping to get her going. You know, I think that's our job as coaches is we got to get it. we got to find a way to get her going. Gary Broadhead has been our guest. Louisiana taking on ULM at the Cajun Dome this Thursday at 3 o'clock, 2.45 pregame. You can hear the call here on ESPN 1420 or get out to the Cajun Dome. They've got it set up, socially distanced. Go to RagingCajuns.com to learn more how you can go check out one of the hottest teams in America in person for a little Thursday matinee action. Coach, I know next Tuesday I think is Mardi Gras. Not sure what your schedule is next week. If we can have you on, we'd love to. But in the meantime, we always appreciate the time, Coach, and uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, Scott. Uh, we really appreciate it anytime. Yeah, anything's good. We don't, we don't, we don't take off from Mardi Gras. We, we'll practice and all that, but we're fine. Uh, whatever y'all got, we, you know, we'll be available uh, at any time. All right. In the meantime, Coach, all the best, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Go Cajuns. Rage Cajun women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead, our guest. When we come back, Russell Wilson not happy in Seattle for a number of reasons. Does it really mean anything? I'll tell you next, ESP at 1420.com.
It's The Great Scott Show on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. And the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the show, everybody. Thanks to Gary Broadhead and Mike Murphy for joining me earlier this hour. Jay Walker is coming in at 8. Talk a little TTT. His perspective of how everything unfolded on Saturday afternoon in Jonesboro in terms of the COVID confusion. We'll also talk about the streaker genius or idiot. That's right. Russell Wilson. Many feel like he's an elite quarterback, one of the best in the league. I think many people would be correct in that analysis. He's frustrated for a number of reasons. You might remember last month when Russell Wilson said he was not happy. I mean, last month. It was a couple weeks ago after they lost and they fired Brian Schottenheimer and uh, the move to fire the offensive coordinator, which was a big surprise. He was asked about it a few weeks ago. Were you good with it? He said, no, straight up. Am I in favor of it? No. Now, this is Russell Wilson who typically doesn't like to say anything outside of what's safe. But, yeah, Schottenheimer's been with the Seahawks since 2018. Russell had three of his best seasons under his watch, and he wasn't happy about it. Apparently, Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll, they didn't get along. Now, the reports last night, late last night, are that Wilson and his camp are just very frustrated about the Seahawks' inability to protect him. Here's, Here's some stats to keep in mind. Russell Wilson has been sacked more times in his first nine seasons than any other quarterback since the NFL-AFL merger. 394 times. Second on that list is Randall Cunningham at 366. Neil Lomax, former quarterback of the St. Louis Cardinals, 362, Phil Sims 356, Big Ben 344. Now, all of those quarterbacks were really, really good. You got some Super Bowl rings in that group, but you could say, well, why isn't David Carr on that list? Because David Carr wouldn't last nine seasons. The point is, you could, yes, any quarterback that's been sacked that many times over nine seasons is good because there's still the quarterback there. Like a Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham, quarterback. This is Wilson starting to ease more into a role of I want some things here and I want to let it be known. My camp will leak some stuff to some members of the media. We'll see what Seattle does with that information. Now, why would he do that? Because he's probably let it be known behind closed doors and nothing's been done. But this is this is kind of a new Russell Wilson here. Does it mean that, that he's going to be traded? No, it does not mean he's going to be traded. Go ahead and tell you now. Some members of the media will go completely overboard with this. Completely overboard. Uh-oh, what does it mean to his future? It means he's hoping in the future he has a better offensive line. But he's also a guy that likes to scramble a lot, keep plays alive, and just... As a result, he's going to be sacked more. I mean, he's 
you do that for nine seasons, guess what? The the, the old line of Seattle isn't great, but it's it's better than it used to be. It's better than it used to be, which isn't saying a lot. Coming up next hour, my boy, my friend, on a Tuesday, Jay Walker, joining me for Terrible Tune Tuesday. In studio. We'll talk some Cajun baseball as well. What unfolded in Jonesboro from his perspective on Saturday and much, much more. Super Bowl streaker. Super Bowl commercial. It's all coming your way next. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN1420 and .com. Riding on a horse. You can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley. You ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Hey, Raging Cajun fans, this is Louisiana head football coach Billy Napier, and you're listening to the best sports station along the bayou, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champions! With Scott Prather. Steal a show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Great Scott Show, the great sports callers, open think tank. It's or the, as they say in Ville Platte, tink tank. The tink tank. You know, I I learned something recently. Um, Norm joins me on Thursdays, and we, we started to have a discussion last week. Don't know how we got there. It wasn't planned. But often I find those are the best discussions on the radio about Cajun accents and New Orleans accents and my thought on it is anytime someone does a Cajun accent in a movie, everyone in your circle is probably going to say, oh, my God, what is this garbage? Now, that's not to say that some of these accents are bad. But my point is, or I guess my defense of, of an actor or an actress is, you realize there's no way to do it that can please everyone because there are different types of Cajun accents. You go to Pierre Part, you go south of Baton Rouge, you go to Terrebonne here in Lafayette, you go to Ville Platte. 
If you think that that Cajun accent is the same, you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't been to those places. They all sound different. Some of them sound vastly different. Some of them sound mildly different. My point was, like, you can't you can't pull it off because if you're trying to do something, quote, Cajun in a movie or television show, you're trying to incorporate a very wide net, but you're trying to do it, you're trying to cast a very wide net in a very like small like we're, we're, we want to tr- how, how do we get Cajun here? Well, you can't because there's a lot of different Cajun. Jay. Maybe the worst was Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. Big easy, worst of all time. He said he rode around with New Orleans police officers and then hung out with someone not in Terrebonne Parish, maybe somewhere between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And he said he combined the two, and it's like. Man, Look, let me tell you something. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what an accent you have. Nobody pronounces C H E R share. No, nobody. No, no. It was, it was, it was atrocious. And he's a good actor, but boy, that that, that was, was that was bad. That was bad. And then there was Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> oh shoot! Dang it! I, I thought you would have that I ready didn't. to go, Scott. I didn't. I didn't. Doggone it! I, I got to make sure I still got that. Wilfred Brimley. Rest in peace, by the way. I don't. Son of a gun. I'm going to have to find it. It's gone. Drink this, but do not spill. That's it. I can't find it. Kill the grass. <laughs> Here, drink. But do not spill. <laughs> Kill the grass. Mon petit Hard, hard target. But, um, I, but what I learned was like, so you had the prairie Cajuns and you had the Bayou Cajuns, and they came down at like separately. I didn't know that. As a result, my dad said, "Well, yeah, I talked to somebody once, and he started telling me about things he had learned about different parts of the state. And okay, so this city, this kind of Cajuns, where they originally, and then these from there. And I was like, man, I, I was just talking about bad Cajun accents in movies and TV, and I, I got a little education, Jay. I was good with it." That's a good thing. How many times do you think you've said the word Cajuns in your life? Um, well, considering that it's, you know, considering that... You're the voice of the Cajuns. Yeah, uh, I've, I've probably said Cajuns a lot. Outside of like, you know, A and the and like is and it, you think you've said Cajuns more than any other word? Maybe. Maybe. Drives me crazy when people misspell it. With like an I? Or no, with a, a R-A-J instead of R-A-G. You know, if you just think for a minute, raging, okay, that's short for raging. Nobody spells raging with a J. But people spell raging with a J. I thought at first you meant misspell Cajuns, but you mean raging. Raging, yeah. I, it, it's like, you know, we've had people in the conference office misspell it. And they, you know... Where's Wright Waters? <laughs> he hadn't been there a while. Um, Saturday, Cajun Hoops um, dropped the second game to Arkansas State, made it a game in the second half. The, 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 what, there was some confusion out of Jonesboro that I know you can clear up more. Uh, I was asked about it. I was on the phone with folks, but I said it last hour when I was talking to Mike Murphy. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. Arkansas State screwed up. They gave you bad information, mm-hmm. and that led to – a lot of confusion. Yeah, and and it was you know, 
it was very unfortunate and 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 you know I sh- I maybe should have handled it differently um because when he said it to me it didn't it was like it didn't make sense right and so probably in retrospect and you know people second guess people all the time but guess what we second guess ourselves too i think you know what i could have done is just we have a delay and not get into why just that we have a delay and what we were told is that it was discovered in the first half that one of the Cajun players had tested positive. Now, what doesn't make sense is all of them were tested before getting on the bus Thursday, and everybody was fine. So when did this positive test occur? I mean, that's that's when I should have said, okay, but at the same time, we're in the middle of a broadcast. You know, so it's not like you have time to but sit you, and ponder all this stuff. You're information in the moment. Yeah, and, um, and so we, we said that. Come to find out what happened was, there was a player who was in the game in the first half. When he came out of the game, he went to the locker room. He was he was coughing. He was nauseous. And those are some of the symptoms, possible symptoms of COVID. And so they tested him at halftime. The delay was because they were waiting for the test results. And in the meantime, they're calling the conference office saying, what happens if it's a positive test? And in getting that information, because this is something that has not happened uh, in the Sun Belt this year. And so, you know, Jerry Scott, who's the head sports information director, uh, came by and um, clarified what had happened. And so, you know, we went ahead and reported the clarification. And then I just sat there and fumed the rest of the game. (laughs) I mean, it. It's the important thing is you just you get it cleared up. You know? Yeah, you get it cleared up. Yeah, uh, the, I guess the concern is you know the last thing you ever want to do though is put out bad information, especially when it comes to a student athlete or whatever. Now, you know one of the things I mean that I've learned over the years is you do not identify; you just say student athlete, um, because you know I made that mistake twenty something years ago, and you know what um, happened. Oh, we had a player. I don't remember where we were playing, um, but we had a player that that went down, and um, I could t- he went down. I mean, I could tell it was an ACL, and I said so, and um, I got called in the principal's office for that one. In in terms of weight, or don't say any, well. In terms of we in, in terms of you know, it is it's the it's irresponsible to report the diagnosis of an injury without talking to somebody who knows what they're talking about before it's officially diagnosed. Correct. And so I've, I've been, I've been careful since then. Uh, you know, there, I mean, HIPAA exists for a reason. And so we, you know, we've been careful not to, not to get into who the players are and stuff like that, or speculate as to what the injury is. We just say it's a knee or it's an ankle. So I I should probably be more, up to date on this, but when it comes to HIPAA, I mean, I've reported injuries before of student athletes, exact injuries, not in the moment, after the fact, through a source. I'm not someone that breaks news a ton. I've done it a few times. Um, Casey Shepard, I don't know, I don't know, six, seven years ago, whatever. Um, now, did I break a, a law or something there? No, no. Um, HIPAA is really. Um, 
the person who gave you the information may have broken the law? May have. May have. Um, but it's, you know, the people, in this case, the university, okay? The university cannot release details without the permission of the sure. student athlete. Sure. Um, but if you, as a reporter, find things out, then, you know, you're, you're not, you're not in any legal trouble. And sometimes, look, I, I, I try to be respectful of the staff and stuff like that. Sometimes I'll literally, this, this wasn't the case, the case, sometimes I'll literally just see a player. Who was the, um, the pitcher, uh, for UL a couple years ago, the reliever that, uh, messed up his elbow. He was, he had, he was, it was a great story. He got suspended for a Colton year. Lee. Yeah, Colton Lee. I really like Colton Lee. And, uh, and I'd interview him a lot, and I just happened to see him out once, and he had a big cast on, and I was like, man, you all right? Like, not give me all the details. I think it was like a, you know, subway or something. And he sat down, and he told me everything. So I was like, all right. I mean, he, I reported it. And then some, you know, Tony and others were like, hey, Scott, where'd you get this? I was like, he told me. I didn't call him. I didn't badger him. He just and then and then they were like, okay. Yeah. But at first they were like, where are you getting this from? You know what's going on? I'm right. Like, hey, I just I, I had a relationship with a kid. He told me I didn't they, I didn't push anything. You know, going back to that night, the Cajuns were playing Tulane, and Colton was coming out for his second inning of work. And during his warm up tosses, he he felt the pop and he walked off the mound. Yeah. Now. You've never lived until you're a play-by-play guy who's um, who has a player whose mom is watching another kid play and listening to the broadcast, and she hears that Colton Lee walked off the mound. Well, I don't remember how she got my number. She might have Facebook messengered me. And, and just, I'm over here. I don't know what's happening. Can you help me? And, you know, I, I, I texted back, give me your phone number. I'll call you after the game. And so she did. And so I called her and I said, look, here's what we know. And, um, and you know, mom was, you know, beside herself. But, you know, it's. And that dude stayed on the team. Because he wanted to pitch one more time with the injury. Yep. The pain, man. That was that was one tough kid. Yep. That was one tough kid. Thirteen after the hour of eight o'clock. ESPN fourteen twenty dot com. Well, speaking of Cajun pitching, Jay, that's a good segue. Hey. Uh, deepest part of the roster this year is going to be the pitching staff. Oh, you think? You got guys, numbers of guys with high velocity. Now, as Dags told me a few weeks ago, I mean. He doesn't want to get too caught up in that. He wants more control, but I get it, and that's what that's that's normal. And I wouldn't expect them to say anything else, but that they got some power on this team. They've they've got some real power arms on this team, yes, um, and they also have some guys who can turn around and give you a change of pace that don't throw as hard, but maybe can spin it a little bit more. Um, I you know I think this pitching staff's going to be very good. Um, this team, from everything that I've been able to gather, hasn't swung the bat very well. Now, is that because the pitching's real good? About to find out. Yes, we are. Um, you know, even um, even Kendall Rogers uh, with D1 Baseball, 
says, you know, it may take a little while for the offense to catch up. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. And, and look, you're getting thrown to the wolves early here. You're opening up with three at Tulane, and then you got Louisiana Tech and LSU in the middle of the week. That's your first five games. So, how's, how's Rice this year? Um, Rice hasn't been very good the last couple of years. Okay. Um, in fact, the Cajuns went down to Houston and just pulverized them last year. Um, but those first five, that's pretty salty. Coach said he loves it. He loves the idea of playing the tough competition right out the gate. Uh, and you know what? I'm with him. I am absolutely with him. They, you know, let's go. Let's let's go. You don't buy into the theory of ease your way into it no. in baseball or in any sport for that matter? Or well, you it- know, if, if if let's say, would it be a little bit easier if they were opening against Rice and then had Tech and LSU and then went on the road? The Tulane. It would be a little bit different. I mean, the fact that you're opening with three on the road, period, is a challenge. But you're doing it against a, a you know, a, I mean, Tulane's always good. How's Houston Baptist this year? I don't know. Baptist um, was a, a replacement um, because originally two, the Cajuns were not opening at Tulane. They were opening at home again. And they had a road trip scheduled to Virginia Tech. Well, both of those got canceled months ago because when COVID hit, it was obvious they weren't going to be like jumping on airplanes and stuff. Um, and the replacements were three at Tulane and Houston Baptist coming in. Who do you think the starting catcher is going to be game one? I don't know. Um, There are a lot of things we don't know about this team. Here's the real question. How much do you think the staff knows right now about who's starting? Because Coach says, look, we want this thing. We want competition all the way up to the day of the game. There's got to be some. I, I think there are some positions that absolutely are still up for grabs. Now, there's a few we know. We know Brendan Bros starting. That's about all we know. I don't know that we know anything besides that. Um, there are newcomers everywhere. And, you know, I think a lot of people are, are making the assumption, you know, that guys like Tally and Hagedorn and, and, uh, and Fitzgerald, who were starting to really come around, that, that they're going to be in the lineup. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. So we'll see. Um, but to answer your question, I think that they're a little bit more in tune as to where they are right now than they're letting on. Well said. 17 after the hour of 8 o'clock. Scott Brather, Jay Walker, ESPN, 1420.com. What was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? <sighs> well. You like Springsteen? I did. I loved the way that that was written. Okay, I just, you know, that you're in a chapel in the exact center of America and you're talking about meeting in the middle. I just thought it was very, very well written. And to have Springsteen do the camera, I mean, he's in his life. Of course, added to that. But there were there were three that the M&M's commercial, especially when... Um, a lady gives a bag of M&Ms to another lady and said, I'm sorry, I called you Karen. And she takes the M&Ms and said, my name is Karen. He gives her another I'm bag sorry. and said, I'm sorry, yeah, your name yeah. is Karen. Yeah, yeah. And then it had um, Dan, Dan Levy, Levy at the end. Yeah. Um, 
But I'll tell you the one that did it for me was the Bud Light reunion. That that was my second favorite. That 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 had some good nostalgia there. And you know what it made me do? It made me go back and listen to Real Men of Genius. Men of Genius. That that was originally Real American Heroes. Right. And then after 9/11, they thought it would be in poor taste because it was about, you know, the man who puts on too much cologne or whatever, you know. But there too was, much cologne wear. I mean, there were like a hundred of those. Real men. There were real. there were sixty that were released on three CDs. Um, and I think I got them at my house somewhere. <laughs> but but it what it did was it made me go back and listen to some of them after the game was over with, and the and the silent gas passer and and the and the cologne wearer. And the and the jockstrap washer. I mean, they're they're just they're just all so well done. That and yes, I am, and I love you, man. Like yeah. I was like, God, these Bud Bowl. I mean, they had some throwbacks from the eighties that I remembered that were in that. Commercial. You had to, you had to, you know Cedric the Entertainer spilling, you know, shooting beer on people. I thought that commercial was very well done, but what it did was it just brought so many memories back. My favorite was the Jessica Long. It was a Toyota commercial. Um, where she's swimming upstream and it's all these challenges in her life of becoming an Olympian. Oh, I must, I must have missed that. You got to watch it. Okay. So, and in the background, it's these calls of an adoption agency calling parents and basically explaining, you know, we we found a child. She's in Siberia. Um, she has to have the bottom of each of her legs amputated. And it's all of this stuff leading up to it. And in the end, it's her mother on the phone saying, like, we can't wait. Like, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be the best thing ever. And she's swimming through all of this. So it's like water on the ground, but it's like, you know, an adoption desk. And then it shows a young girl starting to swim with missing two of her legs and then winning these these medals. And then at the end, it's her growing up, and but she's watching from the pool her mother take that phone call. And like I don't cry a lot, bro. I was about to say <laughs> if I had, I know I didn't. I, looked, I know I missed it because I'd have been sitting there bawling. I looked at I looked at the lizard and and you're you about to cry. She's like, maybe. I'm like, me too. I mean, I was like on the verge. My dad was adopted. My dad has polio. My dad loves to swim. He taught me how to swim before I could walk. He taught my son how to swim. He loves to swim. So when the commercial came on, we were like, Howie, look, she's swimming. So we were paying like extra attention, but had no idea what the commercial was going to be about. And wow. as it unfolded after a minute, I was like, I have never seen, and, and look, I, there was no cars in it, right? It wasn't like buy a Toyota, but man, that was, I was like, that's in 60 seconds. That's about as powerful and, and just a great pro adoption. And, oh no, I, 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 I'd have bawled like a baby. There's not <laughs> almost, a doubt in almost, my mind. I, and, you and, watch it later. You might, uh, you might. Who's your favorite radio play-by-play guy that does football? My favorite radio, uh, Kevin Harlan. Hands down, right? Yeah. I mean, Kevin and Kenny Harlan, if they're calling basketball, football, it doesn't matter. Did you hear Kevin the, call the, the call, streaker? The call of the – yes. Yes. It was – Second down, 20, 5.03 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute 
He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? And Kevin, if you're going to run that far, get into the end zone. Don't slide at the one. you got to score once you got on the field. Get into the end zone, my man. Lord, now they're cuffing him. But pull up his drawers, whatever you do. 5.03 to go, timeout on the field. Shout out Kevin Harlan and uh, Kurt Warner there at the end, courtesy Westwood One Sports. That is impeccable. To to to, I mean, you. It's funny, but most guys are like, now nah, there's a streaker on the field, Kurt, and look at this moron. Like that's that's probably what me you. That's what ninety nine point nine percent. He steps right into it, calls it without like missing a beat. Warner jumps in, and then at the end, whatever you do, pull up his pants, 5-0-4, into the game. I don't think folks even, like, that's as classic. much as everyone appreciates no, it, it's just, it's perfection. It is. It is. Now, the Super Bowl streaker, genius or idiot? Oh, idiot. Well, here's the thing. So, uh, a guy named... We could write a real Men of Genius commercial for this. Hang on. You might, might change your mind about him. I started to think he was a, he was a, he was a genius, and then he quickly reminded me that he was a moron. But here's here's how here's here's why I feel that way. So many of you might have read that he was a plant, which isn't a surprise. He was running around with a pink mankini thong, and then pulled. Down. There was a uh, there was some wording on the pink mankini that was for an adult website, and some promoter of that uh, paid him to go do that. Guy got bailed out the next morning for $500. He also started to that he won big money, that he bet, not the promoter, but Andrade, which is the last name of the guy who actually was the streaker. Andrade wrote on Instagram, dudes are good at math, and then had a screenshot of his betting claim that he bet $50,000 on a prop bet at plus 750 that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl. Which would, if he if it happened, if it's real, would have won him three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Now, prop bets have a cap on it. There is no legitimate book that would say you can place fifty thousand on a prop bet, right? I would I would think that uh, yeah at, I, I at don't least know. not one I that, at I, least I, not I one that's plus seven fifty right like right. they have prop now could he have basically place the maximum bet at all kind of different books, I suppose. But, again, is he a genius or is he a moron? If you're a genius and you do this and you get paid by this promoter and you cash a lot of winning tickets, you don't want anyone to know that was you. You don't – it doesn't – the casino makes the rules. If they want to pull a bet off the table, even if it's a prop bet, to claim that, oh, well, it was – it wasn't in good faith or whatever it might be. Like, there's some legal loopholes they can do it. You can go into a casino, and if you are basically the rain man and you can count cards, you're not doing anything illegal. You're just able to do it. And guess what? 
they're still going to kick you out. Sure. So genius in that, look, if you're going to do this thing, make a lot of money off of it, but then you're an idiot because you go and tell people. I don't – you believe him? No. He says no. $50,000 on a prop bet at plus 750 there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl. Cost him five hundred dollars to get out of jail, so he cleared three hundred and seventy-four thousand on the bet. Said he's an expert. Man, why not? Are they going to put a streaker bet on, on the books again at at future Super Bowls? Um, probably not. Prop bets. I mean, I, I is he a genius? I don't know. As long as he doesn't release a musical album, because if he does, he might be featured on a day like today. I know, right? I'm Scott Prather. That's Jay Walker. Up next, it's terrible. Tune. Tuesday. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. There you go, Zion Williamson bringing us back in with that liner. Pelicans finally playing some defense, finally winning some games, looking good. They have a lot of games this week, including uh, tonight as uh, Zion Williamson. I, I I find it amazing the amount of criticism the guy is getting this year. It's like he's played 44 NBA games. He's averaging a stat line that's been done like one time ever for somebody through their first 43 games. Yeah, his defense hadn't been great, but it's it's starting. Guy's playing unbelievable this year, man. I mean, he's he's awesome, but when you come in with these expectations that are just absurd, it's like, guys, you're grading them on this curve that's preventing you from enjoying how fun this guy is to watch right now at he twenty is, at, at twenty years old. He is he is a lot of fun to watch, but I but I know where the criticism is coming from, and it's because John Morant's been great, and there were a lot of folks who that maybe John Morant would have been the better pick, and so far in their endeavors, those people are right. <sighs> Not this season though. Morant was better last season. He also played more. Um, but I, Morant's, he's, he's been okay this year. I still wouldn't take Morant. Would you? Uh, no, probably not. No. Um, New Orleans, uh, Rockets tonight, Fox Sports, New Orleans, and TNT, and Talk Radio 960. All right. Not TNT, but TTT. Jay, why don't you lead us off here today? You know, I'm, I'm amazed we've never played this on Terrible Tune Tuesday. Okay, I'm. I'm. It's a great I'm, song. I'm. I'm surprised. Kids um, love this song. Oh, I know. Kids love it, and 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 I kind of like it too. Until they get into the the verses, as opposed to the chorus. The chorus is great because it because it, it really does. It gets you moving. It it does get it it does get you moving. But then when they get into the the, the regular verses, it's more like bowel movement than it is just regular movement. So, very a very familiar song to a lot of people, and it was a huge hit record, 1994, Real to Real, and I like it on Terrible Tune Tuesday. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to 
That doesn't get you moving on a Tuesday morning. Come oh, on. I know. I know. The amazing thing is 
you looked it up and realized that all that stuff in the middle, the guy was actually singing in mm-hmm. English. He was. Women nice, you broad face, you nice hip, man make flip it, bust him lip. Women you nice and energetic, big ship on the ocean like a big Titanic. Women you nice, broad face, and you nice hip, make man flip and bust him lip. Women you nice and energetic, big ship on the ocean like big Titanic. Woman, I like to move it. Move it. <laughs> that's, that's, I like to move it. <laughs> I'm impressed with you right there. Oh, I've noticed that as we've if we we've brought TTT back. Um. By popular demand, despite what some may think, you know we're we're three songs into the uh, the revival of TTT, and all the songs have come from the nineties. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Well, let's just stick with that. Now, as you know, I sometimes go overseas for songs that are hits, and in the nineties, they had a big one, big hit. This song was number one in the UK. This song was number one in Ireland. This song was number one in Israel. This song was. Uh, number two in Norway. This song charted pretty much everywhere in the world except the U.S. Of course. Now, I my go back to the early 90s in 1992, and there were some songs that came out that were controversial, and parents would call radio stations and say, why is this song playing? Mm-hmm. So this particular song was um, a, a, a loose homage it essentially was an endorsement of recreational drug use as many felt like they were singing about ecstasy now as music and media said the song is thinly disguised tribute to the drug ecstasy although some might think it's about nice chocolates okay i just know it's an awful song that was played all the time overseas for like several years, but especially the year it came out in 1992, where it, I mean, it entered the charts at number six, and two weeks later it was number one for a while. I mean, it was bad. Um, never made it to the waves here. Uh, because we have taste? I guess. I know that, like, VH1 didn't run the music video because they said there were too many flashing images and there were epilepsy warnings. It was briefly on, like, a Beavis and Butthead episode. But it just had a lot of stuff going against it. Mm -hmm. Because you had folks overseas saying, I don't think this song's good for the youth. And then you had a music video that couldn't be played because MTV and VH1 were worried they were going to get sued if someone had a seizure. So you might not have ever heard this song. But believe me when I tell you, it was one of the biggest selling singles in the world in 1992. And it's, well, it's terrible. By the Scottish electronic music group The Shaman, this is Ebenezer Good on Terrible Tune Tuesday.
name of Ebenezer Good His friends call him Ezer and he is the main geezer And he vibe out the place like no other man could He's refined, he's sublime, he makes you feel fine They're very much maligned and misunderstood But if you know Ezer, he's a real crowd pleaser He's ever so good, he's Ebenezer Good You see that he's mischievous, mysterious and devious When he circulates amongst the people in the place Once you know he's fun, and something of a genius He gives a grin that goes around face to face to face Backwards and then forwards, forwards and then backwards Ezer is a geezer, he loves to muscle in That's about the time the crowd has shout the name of Ezer He's crunched in the corner laughing by the base bin Ebenezer Good. That's terrific. That's right. Ebenezer Good by the Shaman. And there is another edition of Terrible Tune Tuesday. Yes, indeed. When we come back, a coaching legend has passed away. We'll give you the details on that. Plus, it is National Pizza Day. Favorite kind of pizza. Let's dig in. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott show. I'm Scott. That is Mr. Jay Walker. Wow. We're right back after this on ESPN 1420. 
On a sad note, NFL uh, coaching legend Marty Schottenheimer has reportedly passed away after a lengthy battle with Alzheimer's disease. He was 77 years old. He got diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2014 and uh, was moved to a hospice facility near his home in Charlotte uh, just a couple of days ago. 21 seasons as a head coach in the NFL, Jay, between the Browns, Chiefs, Washington, and the Chargers. Won 205 games, got to the postseason 13 times, never made the Super Bowl, but um, it's crazy. His last season as a head coach, the team went 14 and 2. The man was a very good football coach. LaDainian Tomlinson called him best coach he ever had. I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that for a second. Great football coach. I didn't realize that he played football. I've just always known him as a coach. Apparently he played in the NFL back in the 60s. Uh, I don't remember that. You weren't around. No. no, no. I was going to ask if you remember, but you already asked nope, the question. No, I do not. But he, he seems, he but seems you know like, what? like a Jay Walker kind of guy. I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of football back in the 60s. I, I, I really it, – it, it wasn't must-see TV for me when I was growing up. When did it become something that everybody was watching? I think, you know, I think once I moved down here – and I had a, uh, and I really had a team to root for because I was kind of a Packers fan growing up. Oh, yeah. But the but the Packers, you know, I didn't get to see them every week because we had the Giants. I didn't like the Giants. We didn't um, acknowledge the AFL teams because we, you know, we called that minor league football. And so it was. It was after I guess after the maybe once the Super Bowls began, I started to pay more attention to it. You like pizza? Uh, yes. Who doesn't like pizza? Um, you know what? There are people who don't. I am not one of them. Me neither. They're missing out. Yes. It's National Pizza Day today. Yay. Jay Walker can have a pizza. What is it? You know what? I'm one of those pile it on, hold the anchovies, but everything else you want to put on the a works. pizza. I'm, what? The works? Yeah. Now, okay, now, understand, not being from here, I have never gotten shrimp on a pizza, and I've never gotten pineapple on a pizza. Well, pineapple's dumb. Shrimp's delicious, though. It's delicious on pizza. No. Delicious. No. Now, I love just uh, give me a pepperoni and Italian sausage. Oh, no, now, you know, that's probably give my me one absolute favorite. from that great 
family-owned establishment that has been on Johnston Street with that sign that's been there for ever as long around Mr. Walker. The the one where where like if you look in the window uh-huh. they throw the pizza crust up in the air. You give me a, a one fresh out of there with just pepperoni Italian sausage. Oh my god, that I'm good. Yep. We're set. That cheese, everything. It's just that's ah, that's what I would go with. But there's a lot of good pizza. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to have a bad pizza. If if you messed up your pizza, you should be ashamed of yourself. Well, it means you probably put shrimp or pineapple on it. Pineapple, maybe. Bro, shrimp's delicious. I had some this past weekend that had some shrimp on it. Nope. Absolutely delicious. I'm passing on shrimp. You put shrimp on pa- in pasta? Of course. Why, which, why wouldn't you put it on pizza? Because it just doesn't belong in. Starch and cheese, either way, man. All right, that's going to do it. For the Great Scott Show this morning. Next Tuesday is Mardi Gras. I don't know if we'll chat next week. Maybe a different day. We'll just talk. We'll figure it out. But it's great to see you. Good to see you, too. Steve Pelliquin is next with Beyond the Game. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll uh, visit with Tim Buckley on Cajun Hoops, Bobby Nava, little Cajun softball, Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football, the daunting Saints offseason. We're going to separate fact from fiction with him and more. That's all tomorrow on The Great Scott Show. Stay tuned. Steve is next. <laughs>